back to episode number 136 of Do The Woo. I'm one half of your co-host team, Brad Williams, joined with the ever-popular, always-on, Bob WP. Hey, Bob. Hey, I'm the other half, the um, not-so-popular other half. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but somehow, you know, it's the day after the holidays, so things are just going to kind of dump out of my mouth. <laughs> but here we are, Bob. It's the day, you know, it's, yeah, literally, we're recording this the day after uh, well, the Monday when most of the U.S. is shut down anyways and off, coming off the 4th of July holiday weekend. Um, Bob, how'd you do anything special for the holiday? Blow anything up? Still got all your fingers? Oh, yeah, actually, it's just noisy. You know, I, I, I've, I've said before on this show, it's we live on the beach and the only place in our town where you can blow off fireworks is on the beach. So it's it's pretty amazing. You see it stretching for miles. People just go down and put on a show for like four hours. And it's it's if you've ever had fireworks that travel across this kind of low scrub brush and hit your windows, <laughs> the sound it sounds like people are just basically pounding on your house all night. So it's 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 a nice relaxing evening, yeah, in other words. That doesn't sound terrifying at all. Sounds like a great Fourth of July. <laughs> you can always you can always gauge someone's age if they start off by saying the Fourth of July is noisy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. definitely above the forty year old mark. Yeah, right yeah, I so. am. I'm. I'm like it. I'm. I'm not just. It's noisy. It. It kind of sucks. I'm the old man in the yard out there yelling, "Shut up, people!" No, I'm just kidding. You know what? My five year old son is right there with you. So oh, I guess good. you start out Fourth of July is noisy and end up thinking Fourth of July is noisy, but um. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, yeah. Explosions all night long. You know, sometimes it's fun, but it does yeah. get a little old. But either way, um, we're here. I got all my fingers too, so that's how I gauge a successful Fourth of July. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get on to it. We got a pretty good show today. I'm excited to bring on our guest, uh, Mr. David Rodenbaugh of Recapture. Hey, David, welcome to the show. Hi, Brad. Hi, Bob. Thanks for having me. I too also have all of my fingers uh, from. I was about to ask from the Fourth of July, and uh, you know I'm going to be the outlier here. I'm above forty, and I still love blowing things up. So you know there is that. But it, I will say, it's getting louder as I get older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything gets louder. Things. Get, I was in the lake swimming with my son, and you could tell the temperature of the lake because it was all kids. <laughs> so that's like a clear indication again <laughs> of a certain age. You could yeah. tell when the water is meant for adults or not. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's great getting old, but we're excited to have you on the show, Dave. We got a lot to talk about. So, David, you're with. Why don't you tell everyone how you got into WordPress and and specifically how you got into uh, WooCommerce? We like to ask, how do you do the woo? Do the woo? Do I need to like go woo? You know, is that is <laughs> yes. that a requirement? Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, I've yeah. done that, so we're good now. Um, yeah. So I've been uh, part of WordPress community since about 2011. I started out and acquired a couple of plugins and built them up. One of them was a classifieds plugin. The other one was a business directory plugin. Those were acquired last year by Strategy 11 uh, with uh, Steph and Stephen Wells and uh, Syed Balki. And they're doing great with it. They, I'm, I'm loving the fact that they've taken this off and brought it to a whole new level that I wasn't able or willing to do at this point. But part of the reason that I was looking to get out of that and onto something else is that um, I had already started Recapture. And so we're an abandoned cart email marketing service and now SMS. And we support a variety of platforms, but we are very much heavily invested in the WordPress space, including um, Woo, Commerce, Easy Digital Downloads, Restrict Content Pro, 
And soon, uh, a, a very popular membership uh, plugin will be supported as well. So we are very much uh, um, WordPress friendly. Yeah, I love to hear it. I want to dig in a little bit more into the different parts of the business too. I, just for anyone listening that maybe isn't familiar with, you know, you talk about card abandonment, um, but what is the the core the core nature of of the product under Recapture, and what are you providing for WooCommerce stores and other uh, commerce stores? Yeah, sure. Um, so. Abandoned carts are, are basically something that troubles almost every single store out there. And certainly uh, if you're in a, a high volume store with WooCommerce, you know, you've probably seen this where you look and you find that you have lots of visitors to the site, but your overall sales on the other side don't seem to match the number of visitors. So you might have a thousand visitors in a week on your site and you might only have 10 or 15 sales that comes out of that. So anything that's between those two numbers there are people that abandon. And there's really two different flavors of that. There's sort of abandoned carts and abandoned checkouts. And abandoned checkouts are when somebody goes like all the way through your store. They add something to the cart. They make it all the way to the checkout page. And then they just fall off. You know, there's lots of reasons why people get distracted. Might be that somebody was screaming at them to make dinner. You know, their five-year-old came in the room and said, hey, mom, I'm hungry. And then they're like, okay, they can't check out now. They got something else to work on. They might have gotten surprised by the fees that you're charging or they didn't expect the taxes or the shipping expenses or whatever. All of those sorts of things can knock people off the page or that your checkout process was really onerous. Uh, lots of stuff like that. But um, to contrast that, then there's abandoned carts where people add something to the, the cart, but then they never actually make it to the checkout. So, you know, it's a really it's a two headed problem right there. And Recapture kind of handles all of that where we will actually go and track all these carts for you. So first of all, you can actually see how big the problem is. And second, we give you some tools that allow you to capture emails and or mobile phone numbers now as of July 1st, so that you can reach out to those people and have them come back and complete the sales on your site. There might've been some objection that you could easily overcome, you know, tell them maybe they don't trust your brand enough so you could send them some social proof you know, some reviews or testimonials about your site, make them feel better about the purchase or whatever. So Recapture can help facilitate all of that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we've been doing it since 2015. You know, we have like 169 million we've recovered for a variety of different stores, 1.6 billion in gross merchant volume processed. You know, I can throw out some other weird statistics. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Those are impressive numbers for sure. I, I love the... Uh, just the visibility to it, because we talked about abandoned cart, and I appreciate the overview. Uh, I would assume most people listening are familiar, but if not, um, it's such a, you know, we've always said it's just such a kind of a no-brainer, right? If you have a, an e-commerce store, you, this should be, you know, whether it's, you know, your tool or whatever, but capturing people that have left for whatever reason should be pretty high up on your list. Because like you said, it's revenue that is, is some of it's there and some of it's yours to be had if you just ask for it in a, in a, a thoughtful uh, hopefully automated way of some sort. But the idea that not only does it uh, track abandoned carts, get customers to come back and actually finish those purchases, but you can literally just see the data right through the dashboard of, hey, we've recovered this month, this much revenue because of our system or this much a month or whatever. You can really see in real time how well it's working for you. Right. Which I think is hugely insightful if you're not already tracking this, just to see what these numbers could potentially be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it's money on the table. If you, there's a lot of people that are uh, surprisingly not totally aware of what the scope of that looks like. And so 
Like for the average store in recapture, we pull back about 10%. If you're, if you're a store that's making pretty regular sales, we can get you somewhere between eight and 12%. 10 is kind of the sweet spot. Is there ever that in the history of this technology, was there ever even reluctance on the shop owner or, you know, the customer might've said something, the creepy feeling of, you know, how did you know this type of thing that I did leave something in there because I thought I just snuck away and, you know, nobody would follow me or has that just from the very get go, was that like just a natural, oh yeah, or it depends how you handle it. Well, so I think historically it shifted, right? So in 2013, abandoned cart recovery was sort of a new thing. I'll say new in quotes, but it wasn't like unheard of, but it definitely wasn't as ubiquitous as we know today. Nowadays, like customers are sophisticated. They kind of expect abandoned cart emails and the really sophisticated ones are basically gaming the abandoned cart emails and waiting for the discount because, you know, they, they know they're going to get hit with a series of them. You know, you've done that, Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've done it too. I do it too. I totally am. And it's not, you know, that so that aspect of it clearly doesn't bother people. They know that they're probably going to get something. So they just sort of wait for the whole thing to come out and then they buy. That's great. So we've clearly shifted consumer behavior. But back in 2013, it was definitely, there was resistance, both on the merchant and on the buyer side, both. You know, they didn't really understand. Some people thought it was creepy. There was a while where there was a a question about, is this email considered spam? Is this considered part of the business? Nowadays, it's a little clearer. It's operating in less of a gray area than it used to be. Pretty much all ESPs qualify abandoned cart emails as transactional, at least the first one. After that, it gets to be promotional. So, you know, you get a chance to to let people know, hey, here you left the stuff in the cart. And it definitely is hugely beneficial to both customers and the stores. Yeah, I would imagine, too, just playing around with messaging and, you know, having a way that you can kind of build these campaigns and emails uh, would help with that. Right. And the sense of kind of informing the user and, and just making it clear what, you know, what you're doing, what you're giving them versus, you know, we've all seen emails that come across super spammy and emails that don't. Right. And I think it's just a matter of probably the wording used in many of these cases. So they're clear on that. But I think you're, you know, clearly this is the industry and and areas that you're rolling, but just from my perspective, I would agree. Like, I think just, it's almost expected at this point so much so that I think a lot of people do game it and say, all right, let me add, fill up my cart. Let me get to the step where I enter my email and I'll see you tomorrow and see what shows up in your inbox. Right. And <laughs> usually within 30 yeah. minutes or an hour, you know, there's your 10% off or your 20% off. Come on back. And uh, I got one the other day from uh, Google. Cause I was looking at the Chromecast and 30 bucks, but then it was $10 shipping. And I was like, eh, Sure enough, I'm getting emails and then Amazon had it for $30 with free shipping. So guess where I went <laughs> and that's going to sit in, yeah. my, in my cart till they, you know, abandon that. So, um, but it does seem to be highly effective and especially with the clients that we work closely. Um, it's one of the number one recommendations because I mean, ultimately it could, it can be a very hands-off solution once you've set it up. I mean, you should monitor it and make sure things are working and, and adjust it and do AB testing however you want. But um, by and large for, for most stores, I think, you know, once you get it up and working, it's just, again, taking that money that's sitting on the table that you wouldn't have otherwise had. It's kind of a no-brainer. And the cost that you're charging make it even better. So, Yeah, I think if you're going to do an abandoned cart solution, you've you got to tilt it in favor of the merchant. You know, you, Our goal is like to say, all right, we want to recover at least 20 times more than what you're paying us. 
Because that just is the only way that I feel like this just makes it a no-brainer. You've got to make it so insanely valuable that they're like, oh, yeah, totally. Um, and sometimes, you know, that's that's hard. I don't know what, you know, your experience has been at WebDev, Brad, but um, we have a lot of merchants that want to just send one email and stop. And so I'm kind of like, hey, you know, these people actually want to buy from you. So push it a little bit more, like send maybe two or try three. See if you get more sales out of it. Like, don't limit yourself. But there's definitely this weird reluctance among some merchants and a higher percentage than I would have ever expected before I got into this about, oh, I'm bothering my customers. I don't want to bug them. I don't want to spam them. And if you're sending something that's relevant, you're not doing that. I mean, it's a valid concern, at least to talk about it, right? Because, yeah, at least they're aware that, hey, we could come off spammy. (laughs) Or, hey, this, you know, we don't want to send an email every 20 minutes for the next week straight, you know. So I'm glad to hear some, you know, companies are being thoughtful from that perspective. But I agree, one email, you're right, people want this. They've already been to your site. They added something to their cart. So there's some kind of interest there, right? Something. So it's not a cold email by any means. You've given them your email address and you've interacted with their website. So um, in my opinion, it's a bit of a warm email and one that you you, you should be happy to see. Um, And if not, you delete it and move on. But yeah, to that point, I think it's one of those things just like, well, anything in our industry, it's never just set it and forget it. Yeah, you can set a baseline and it'll work pretty well, most likely. Like you said, maybe you're at 9%, 10%. But with a little bit of effort, maybe you can convert that up to 11, 12, 13%, you know, working on messaging or figuring out the cadence that works best for, for your, your customers in terms of those emails, or maybe the time of day that they get it. You know, if you have a, maybe an older demographic, maybe you want to send those emails a little bit earlier in the day rather than 10 o'clock at night. I don't know. Like there's probably a lot of strategy I would imagine that goes into this. Yeah. I was thinking of that. I was not only thinking of, you know, how long you wait afterwards, obviously you don't do it five minutes afterwards and people freak out and say, wow, I just left it. You know, (laughs) have to cogitate on a little bit, but if it also depends on the product and impulse buying and all these other factors, because, you know, are there certain products or certain industries where it doesn't work quite as well because people are looking and they're looking for it now and they're not going to be, you know, dawdling around for however much time before they get that follow-up or is it just pretty much across the board? It depends. Oh, it's deeply audience and, uh, and vertical specific. So let me throw out a couple of examples. So we have a store on recapture that they do aquarium supplies and one of their number one sellers is fish antibiotics. So you can imagine this is a very time sensitive thing. So this guy really understands his audience. If somebody adds this product to their cart, they're not doing it because they're like, oh, maybe I'll buy this for Christmas. Like, no, their fish are sick. They've got a problem right now and they have to deal with it. So he knows if he hits them hard, like he'll send an email at 30 minutes, two hours, six hours, 24 hours, and then follow up a day later than that. So he gets five emails in 48 hours because he knows they need to close this deal and deal with their sick fish. Otherwise they're in big trouble. So he has really deeply understood his audience and like hits them with a higher frequency of emails. He's crushing it with that campaign. It's 33% conversion. Yeah. That's clever. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And then, of course, whatever they have in their cart, they'll just buy it, too, because they're like, oh, well, you know, my, I got a sick fish. They need a plant to be happy, too. <laughs> Whatever. OK, great. It doesn't really matter. But he, he does very, very well with that. And then other brands, 
like it's kind of a slow burn, especially if you're doing stuff with like luxury, you know, they might be thinking about it, but it's something that, you know, isn't super urgent for them to act on. And they kind of have to just sit with it for a while. And so, you know, sometimes it's about reminding them about the benefits of the product or telling them all the great things they'll get to do with the product when they finally get it. Or here's some blog articles about, you know, people that are using the product now and the kinds of stuff that they're getting out of it, you know, those sorts of things. And then eventually they're into buying it. But, you know, you can... There are things that help generate that interest, you know, around Black Friday, everybody's like 20 hours, 20 hours left, hurry up, everybody, you know, clear out your carts. <laughs> but, you know, in the middle of the year, it's it's around, you know, seasonality and just whatever's going on with the people and that audience and that product at that time. And if there's solid overlap, then they, you know, mm-hmm. the smart ones are doing promotions and then otherwise they're just trying to keep people top of mind with other campaigns to say, Hey, we're out here. You know, you you were shopping at us and maybe you're still interested in these hobby things over here. Maybe it's not a burning thing, but you're still interested. So we want to let you know that we're still out here as well. Yeah. That's interesting. That first example, because the messaging, I mean, you know how he's putting these things out, but the messaging would be so important. I mean, you don't send a message and say, Whoa, don't want to see your fish belly up hurry up and buy this stuff or something. You know, it's, I mean, you got to put that. It's clever. Um, importance on it, but you got to do it in a nice way too that they understand and they're not, you know, they don't see you playing on the fact that, man, if I don't do this soon, you know, this is going to be a problem. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can't, that's a clear product urgency that can be, I don't want to say exploited because that's not the right, that's not the right term, but you can definitely push the urgency button at that point. If you do that with an exercise bike, you know, it's okay. You can still be fat next week, right? <laughs> You're not going to die immediately from that, but it's a, it's a different, it's a different thing. So it's very audience specific and and it's clear that, you know, when you're sending these emails, it doesn't really matter what kinds of emails you're sending or what tool you're using or whether you're doing broadcasts or promotions or the triggered emails like abandoned carts, the tighter and more personal that you can make it more relevant, the higher that conversion is because the person getting it understands that it's relevant to them, that it belongs to them, that they need something there and that they'll do something with it. That's why this guy gets 33% conversion rates on that one email. Hey, Bob WP here, and I'd like to take a moment to thank two of our pod friends for their support of Do The Woo. Whether you build sites for clients or you sell WooCommerce products or services, optimizing any online shop for visibility and search results is a top priority. Now, if you're just starting or you're an experienced Woo builder, The new e-commerce course from the Yoast Academy is just what you need. If you're just starting to work on a site's SEO, it'll help you start defining the mission statement and offering tips for technical SEO, such as using structured data so your product will stand out from other search results. The course will help any shop improve sales, competition, and grow customers. And best of all, this course just doesn't teach you, it helps you to take action. So whether you are a beginner or an expert, check out this new e-commerce course at Yoast.com. When you build a client site, after the fact, you are doing one or two things. 
continuing to help them maintain their site or simply handing it over. Now, whatever the case may be, you need to give your clients even more confidence in running their Woo shop. OS Training has a great collection of WooCommerce tutorials that will help your clients get the most out of their site. And as a bonus for you, the builder, you can also find training to enhance your knowledge as they continue to grow their WordPress and WooCommerce developer training. So whether it's for yourself or to help your clients understand and take control of their WooShop, OS Training has you covered at OSTraining.com. And now let's head back to the show. Yeah, I think, you know, for like our audience is a lot of creators and developers and implementers. Um, and a really good takeaway from really the advice you said is to, you know, work with your clients to really, they're going to, no one's got to understand the product better than them. It's their store or whoever the owner is. Really sit down with the owner and understand from them you know, their products and what they're selling. Cause they're going to know things like that, that I wouldn't know, you know, like that's a great example about the fish food. I wouldn't think about that because I'm not in the fish, you know, industry or the, you know, I don't have fish. I'm not into that. Industry. I wouldn't think about that. But as soon as you said it, right. Of course that makes sense. Right. There, there's urgency. Maybe give them a discount, maybe, you know, upgrade their shipping or something to say, Hey, we know this is important to you. It's medicine for your fish. We'll give you free overnight shipping. If you come back now, you know, so working with your clients and really sitting down more than just turning these things on, uh, but really understanding a little bit more about their products and what sells and who buys certain things and what's more time sensitive versus not um, could ultimately really set them up for more successful, you know, abandonment um, purchases down the road. So really good advice, I think. Yeah. Personalization is the that's the part, you know, we, we have a bunch of default content. We try to make it super easy to get started. So you sign up with us and like your campaigns are ready to go. You just click to turn them on. But because we don't know your store, we don't know your audience, we don't know your product, and there's really no way for us to sort of generate mm -hmm. that. You know, we're not going to be using GPT-3 to create a bunch of content for you. It's going to be nonsense if we did anyway. You have to go back and, you know, specifically add some stuff in. And we can tell you, like, put this in here and put this in here and put this in here. And it will work much better, but you still have to have that knowledge. And so when somebody comes to us and says, hey, Dave, you know, our email's they don't seem to be, you know, at the level that we want them to be at. And I'm like, okay, great. Here's the next step we can take. And personalization is it. And, you know, just understanding that audience connection to your product or your store makes a huge difference. Yeah. It's no different than looking at like SEO. Like, yeah, you could turn on Yoast SEO and it will, it will help. Right. But when you really start to configure it to the type of co content you have and, and, the, and the audience you're speaking to and really take it to the next level, that's where you start to see some massive improvements in ranking um, and organic traffic. So it's similar. Turn it on. Yeah, it's going to be better than what you have, certainly. <laughs> but you can take it even further, spend a little bit more time with it. So that's a great analogy. I'm curious about how the landscape is in your industry with, I know uh, one of the bigger players that probably many of people on the show are familiar with is Jilt. Um, and about a month ago, they announced that they're shutting shutting it down, at least shutting down the Jilt that we've known. It seems like they might be pivoting some other products, but Jilt was kind of the big abandoned cart, one of the big abandoned cart players in our space. Um, I'm curious how that's impacted your your business, hopefully for the better, I would imagine. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it kind of it stirred up my June, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I was thinking I was going to have kind of a mellow, quiet June. Good to be busy. <laughs> <laughs> Until June 8th, it is good to be busy, uh, you know. So, you know, it, Jilt being a longtime competitor of ours and, you know, they've been 
easily around as long as we have, if not maybe a little bit longer. I think they've started in 2013 or something like that. We've been around since 2015. And, you know, I have mad respect for Max and Becca and the product that they've created. I mean, they made a, a really amazing experience and everybody that used Jilt had nothing but good things to say. So this caught us by as much surprise as it did anybody else. And, you know, as soon as we heard this, we were, of course, very concerned to make sure that, you know, these customers had places to land because unfortunately in the WooCommerce space or EDD or Restrict Content Pro or other places in WordPress, like the support isn't the same as it would be on other platforms like at Shopify or Magento or BigCommerce. So the options that are there just aren't quite the right fit for WordPress. So, you know, we we were already here. So, you know, we wanted to make sure that we could help folks that are out there doing EDD stores. I had two EDD stores for a long time. And when CartHook shut down, I don't know, three years ago or something like that, we were using CartHook. And, you know, at that time, I knew the pain that every, that had caused. So, you know, I felt for these customers that are out there and wanted to make sure that we could help them. Obviously, it's a benefit to recapture too. But that, you know, that's made my uh, June quite a quite a, <laughs> a bit different than I expected it to be. So we've spent a lot of time working on uh, migration tools and I reached out to Becca and we got on their uh, recommended products list and we set up migrations and we're helping customers right now, um, moving them over with uh, concierge service and stuff like that. So, you know, we're scrambling to keep up with it, but it's definitely, uh, <laughs> it's been a busy time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was surprising. Jill was a pretty big supporter of WordCamps. I remember for, for years, um, they were kind of one of those logos you were used to seeing. You didn't, you know, at a number of camps across the, across the, well, the U S the ones I frequent anyways, or used to, and we used to have them. <laughs> so, <laughs> WordCamps, what are those? Have we, my, my memory is only about six months long. So I've forgotten all of that at this point. Yeah. Everything pre last year is a blur. So. Whole new chapter. But anyways, yeah, it's it's interesting when something like that seems like you just assume they're going to be around forever because that's just what you're used to seeing out there. And, you know, a lot of people using them um, are shifting to something different, it sounds like. So, but, you know, one door closes, opens up a, a door for you, right? So that's uh, that's cool to hear that you're you're helping, you're there to, to support, you know, those clients if they're still looking. It looks like they're going to support it for a little bit longer. So I would say if you're still out there using Jilt, um, certainly this looks like a, uh, a good, a good option to switch over, uh, recapture.io can reach out to, uh, to Dave and talk about the product there and see if it's a good fit for you. But, um, yeah, always interesting when something like that happens. So I was curious if it was like a tidal wave or, or if you've seen much difference <laughs> from that. It's only been about a month though. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, there has been a huge spike in interest and now we're seeing like a number of signups and, you know, like any service, some customers are just totally quiet and they're doing it on their own and they're totally happy. And other customers are like very concerned. They got a ton of questions. And then there are customers that are kind of in between that get stuck in some spot and then you hear from them. So we've gotten a mix of all three of those for sure. Um, but if I looked at my overall numbers of people migrating over, it has spiked quite a bit in the last uh, four weeks here. As particularly in the the folks that wanted to do the migration. And it took us a while to sort of figure out, like, what does this migration look like? What's Jilt's export format look like? How easy is it for us to pull that stuff in? Thankfully, it was not too much uh, work on our part since they're using HTML and we can pull in their HTML and 
migrate the tags that they might have in the templates and stuff like that. It was less work than we feared it would be. But, you know, initially you're like, you take your engineer brain, you're like, oh my God, there's tons of work here. We have no idea how bad this is going to be. Ah! <laughs> but yeah, we, we worked our way through that. And, and now we kind of have uh, the migration stuff under control and we did a release. So we had to kind of do this catch up as soon as they announced on June 8th, we had some stuff in the pipeline that we were planning to release but I wasn't like, I didn't have everything totally baked yet. And then on June 9th, it's like, okay, we are accelerating all those plans to the forefront. Everything gets released as soon as possible. <laughs> and so, you know, concurrent with talking with Becca about what's going on with Jilt and how can we deal with the export formats and stuff like that. We're like pushing everything out the door, trying to set up all the marketing, all the documentation, et cetera, et cetera. So mm -hmm. yeah, we managed to get to a, uh, same level of feature parity with Jilt so that customers that were migrating were going to be able to do so without losing too much uh, in there. So, and then we've got some plans in July to sort of fix what we weren't able to scramble out in June. Yeah, this is the, this is the fun side of entrepreneurship, <laughs> you know, the uh, expect the unexpected and be ready to pivot, right? <laughs> so everything, you know, as much as you can plan ahead, there's, there's always going to be that reactionary component. Um, of that you can never plan for because you can't predict the future. And clearly, you know, jilt shutting down is one of those, um, you know, and you got to, when opportunity knocks, you know, you got to open it up and, and say hi. And that's what you guys have done here. So I even see on jilt, they have a nice uh, recapture migration guide. So we can go over here and walk through the guide and get moved over to your platform. So yes, very cool stuff. Big thanks to uh, Becca and the team, the customer support team over there. Uh, for getting that up as quick as as they were able to. So that was really awesome of them to do that. We really appreciate that. Yeah, that's great. Doing right by their clients. So in hindsight, there really is nothing you looking back on this that you can prepare because something like this, as Brad said, is so, you know, it's, it's what you don't plan for. You don't have this little contingency plan put together that says in case some business goes, you know, decides to make a pivot themselves and we get a all their customers coming our way, then we should do this, 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 this. Anything that, you know, you feel that somebody could plan for that, or is it just pretty much, you know, like you Brad said, hey, this is life of entrepreneurship. You know, you you pivot when you need to pivot and you tackle what you need to tackle. Well, that's a great question, Bob. And I don't know that I've got an, an awesome answer for that one, but I will say a couple of things that I think position me well for this. So there's a, there's a quote that I always think of from Thomas Edison. Success is where 10,000 hours of preparation meet with one opportunity. And this is very much like that particular case where we've gone and, you know, we had happened to, you know, I looked at, at all of the platforms we could support and it was obvious when I inherited the the service back in 2016, that I needed to do some platform expansion. And there were clear paths to move forward. It didn't support Shopify, so we added Shopify. Didn't support Woo, so I added Woo. I had, um, you know, friendships with the Sandhill guys. So I was like, you know, I'm an EDD guy. This place is a natural fit for recapture. Let's add support for that. And, you know, I'm already in the WordPress community, so let's deepen our connections to the WordPress community with um, Restrict Content Pro and you know other integrations that we're working on and stuff. So you know we put in the work, but part of that work was 
it was kind of serendipity because the service was built in a way that you could build integration points pretty quickly and pretty easily just by knowing like you have to hook into this and this and this. So that's a question of let's find those three things on this platform. So easy digital downloads has a different set of what those three things are than woo. And they'd be different on Shopify and different on Magento. So, you know, if you can identify those things, then it's easy to build that small bit to bridge to your service because the rest of it all happens behind the scenes. So for us to add in an integration, you know, we've got it down to less than 40 hours of work. Um, And it kind of depends on the integration at this point, like another WordPress integration, I think we could do in half that time just because there's enough knowledge about it. But, you know, if we get to something that's a little more exotic, it might be back to the 40 again. So, you know, that kind of depends. So there was definitely a serendipity. And I had actually talked with the Sandhills folks earlier. They had already done a deal with Jilt. And I came to them after that deal was done. And I said, hey, would you guys be willing to put us up on your page and promote us as well? And they said, well, we can't really do that. We've already got this deal in place with Jilt. Well, fast forward a year, you know, we already had that conversation. Then Jilt says, hey, we're shutting down suddenly EDD's in scramble mode. And they're like, well, wait a minute, Dave talked to us a while ago about this. So let's go revisit that again and see if that is something that we can revive because, you know, their customers were in a a tight spot and they needed, you know, to have something good to say, something positive to send their customers to. So in that sense, you know, being prepared makes a huge difference for these kind of opportunities up here. So I call that luxe surface area. That's a term I borrowed from Justin Vincent of Texting. The more you can put yourself out there, the more things that you're trying to do, the more connections you make in the community, the more people that you talk to, the more partnerships that you form. And it's not like things happen immediately, but something that you start today might turn into something a year from now or two years from now or whatever. So but if you don't build that today, you get nothing in two years. So, nope. and it, you know, and it's a two way street too. I don't want to make this sound like, oh, hey, I did all these things and now I'm benefiting. You know, that's not, that's not really the point of it at all because it very much goes both ways. Well, they say the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. And then the second best time is today. Yep. <laughs> so it's, yep. you know, maybe on a more extreme level, but you know, I absolutely get your point. Like, you know, forming relationships, networking, connecting with people, um, I've been doing that a lot, you know, ever since starting web dev. And it's one of the reasons, that, you know, I'm confident it's where we're at, where we're at because of a lot of that, you know, um, grew up with a lot of other companies in the space as we were kind of figuring all this out together, you know, and I still do that. I still have regular check-ins with peers and, and friends in the industry. Um, just to, just to say hi, you know, and some of that stuff can turn into something or other times it's just to say hi, you know? So um, it's good advice there. I think that's, that's really good advice to plan ahead as best you can. You can't predict the future, but setting some things in place, like the foundation for your, you know, uh, your integrations and stuff, setting that, knowing that, yeah, stuff is going to come. It's going to happen. That is definitely setting you up for success. Yep. Yeah. And the lesson in there too, is don't burn your bridges. I mean, oh, that's yeah. exactly why I'm co-hosting because Bob's burnt every single bridge and I'm the last, <laughs> I'm the only person that would say yes. You know, it's hopeless. I, I, I don't know what to do half the time. And so I just get a co-host on and I can just say, hey, will you just talk to the people? Because they don't want to talk to me anymore. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's too much. All righty. Well, that was very interesting. I love hearing how that all played out for you. I think it's about time we wrap up things. Where can people 
connect with you if they want to reach out to you and learn more about recapture? Sure. So you can uh, reach out to me on the Twitters uh, at Dave Rodenbaugh, and we'll put that in the show notes here because spelling that can be a little bit of a challenge. You can also find me at recapture.io on Twitter as well, or you can check us out uh, at recapture.io on the interwebs. Cool. All righty. Well, everyone, appreciate you all tuning in. I'd like to thank our pod friends again. You heard all about them midway through the show. Yoast and OS Training. You can check them out at yoast.com and ostraining.com. So again, thank you so much, Dave, for joining us. It was a pleasure having you back on. I know you've been on in the past and I'm sure you'll be on in the future. So appreciate the time. Thanks, Dave. Great show. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. It was fun.